right, so we are on with Abby and Steve of Spencer, uh, the first actual episode of Salty Business. I'm so happy to have you guys there. I love your restaurant so much, and I was like, I really want to get the people from Spencer. And that one time when you walked out and I was in Spencer, I was like, all right, I'm going to ask them. And, yeah. and you're here, and you Glad floated, you and I re- I'm really happy you're here, so thank you for, for coming in today. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you thank for having you. us. Thank you. It was really nice. Awesome. It was um, awesome. So how did each of you get into food? You want me to st- you want me to start? Yeah. I got into food through Abby. So I feel like Abby should tell her story a little okay. more. Um, I think I always was really into food and didn't really recognize that that was it was so strong and just I came from such a strong food culture in my life. Um, I was going to NYU and I started taking a food class just to take one. Um, to see what it was like and I realized I had already a lot of information and I already had come from a background that like my mother was really into just taking me to the farmer's market and exploring like the connection between food and food systems and also just the impact that we have and I think I just kind of realized that I had already had this in me and had a culture of like my mother cooking and my family coming from a really strong cooking family as well. My cousin was a chef and I just think all, and my mother had four sisters that also were cooking, you know? So I think Uh it just was like a very, um, it was just part of me and I didn't really like fully understand how much I had already known or how much I was cooking all the time. And like kind of going back and looking at it, I realized like I was cooking in high school for my parents every night and just like, I was always cooking and I was always like talking and wanting to learn about food. Um, and then when I realized I was also like, oh, I have like an upper hand in this in some regards, at least as far as thinking about it, I started to get really into it and I wanted, I then went to culinary school. And then from that, I moved back home to San Francisco and started cooking in restaurants. Mm-hmm. And then I met Steve. <laughs> I did not have the same experience growing up. I mean, I grew up in Michigan and, uh-huh. you know, I enjoyed eating, but... It was always just Midwestern, you know, burgers and mac and cheese, and every salad dressing was cream-based or mayo-based or, you know, something ridiculous. Um, And I'd gone to college for something else, but I think one of the things that really drew me to food was the connection with people. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I had started in food with cheese and wine, um, which is still sort of my area of expertise. Um, but meeting Abby and just sort of seeing her cook and her passion for food and then starting to do events with her and seeing people's reaction to that food, I think it was much more the, the personal and the social aspects of cooking that really got me excited yeah. about it. Uh, so, and yeah. Abby is, makes such delicious food. It's oh, yeah. an easy <laughs> partnership. Um, how did you two meet? Um, so we met in San Francisco. I was working at Delfina and he was working at a place right around the corner called Mission Cheese, which did a lot of cheese and wine. Um, and I just went there one day and that's, that's essentially how we met. That was it. Yeah. I I knew then. You knew then? (laughs) I knew immediately. I didn't know then and was just, went about my business just (laughs) for quite a number of months. For months. Yeah. But I... Did you come back in again, like, frequently, or is it... I mean, he would try to come into the restaurant, but didn't understand when I was working, because I was doing pastry at the time, so... She was there during the day, you I would never, go there you'd never all see the time me. at night, <laughs> yeah. looking for her. Uh, yeah, because we were only open at night, too, well, so... Anyway, we, I, finally, I finally tracked her down. Yeah. 
Nice. Well, that's awesome. Um, yeah. And so did you always want to open up a restaurant, Abby? I think there's part of me... Yeah, I did. It, I set that goal pretty young once I like knew I was in was wanting to do this. Um, but I would say I also just really like the idea of being... I think just having control over something or just being my own boss. I think it's, I think I grew up with my mom who also owned her own business. I think it just was like something I thought I, this was like, it seemed like I always struggled in, not that I didn't do really well when I had other jobs, but that I think I would have done better on my own kind Mm -hmm. of thing. Um, But yeah, I always wanted to open a restaurant um, once I decided. I didn't know how how long I want to have it forever. Um, and I always said that, like, apparently I wrote something down when I was at cooking school that said, like, I want to open a restaurant or cook until I can't cook anymore. And then I'll just like raise sheep, which seems about, seems about right. seems yeah. about right. still. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause cooking is still, it's just a very physical thing that uh-huh. takes a lot out of you. And it's also very mental. It's just both like, they, it it's right. both really draining. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so what was the process of opening up Spencer like? Well, it was, a, I mean, it was a pretty long road. I mean, we had met in San Francisco and we had decided together that we wanted to open a, something of our own. Briefly thought about San Francisco before realizing it's way too expensive, too competitive. And so we moved back to Ann Arbor with a plan to go to Detroit because this, you know, was five, six years ago before Detroit really had the culinary scene that it did. But it was definitely on the rise. Uh-huh. Um. Anyway, so we had gotten jobs and we started working and doing events around Ann Arbor and got comfortable here. Um, I think the biggest challenge was finding the space itself. One of the things that we keep telling people in California that people don't realize about the Ann Arbor Detroit area is that there's great farms. Mm -hmm. Like there's really good produce to work with. um, And people here, you know, they like to eat. They appreciate it a lot. So the audience is there and the materials are there. So it was really about finding the space I think that really took us the longest time it was really really hard I mean I don't know if you had the same experience Uh, I I went eight months it took me to find the space yeah it's just really challenging Mm -hmm. I don't think Ann Arbor makes it that easy and I think it honestly is a turn like we have a a a really amazing farmer right now named Hannah and she also works for us and like she can't even find a farm just because there's so many people developing yeah you know it's like I I just think it's overall no matter what space you're looking for is really challenging right now did you want to be downtown area or I we everyone's like oh man you picked such a great location and I was like that's the one that we were considered for uh-huh. not the one we had chosen we yeah. looked all over I mean we, we looked were, we were looking yeah. on the outskirts of town we were looking on the fringes of downtown we were looking in Ypsilanti um, <laughs> yeah we started we looking kind of anywhere we uh-huh. wanted a building to have some amount of like character or know that we could. Yeah, do I mean, something. Yeah, with we it. weren't looking in like a strip mall or anything like that. You know, we wanted it to be somewhere with with some potential. But yeah, what's great about the space is like it already had a hood, so the hood is a really large build out, and like we didn't have to do that, so it saved a lot of money. Uh-huh. It would it helped us a lot. Um, that was just really fortunate. You know, sometimes it's good to look at it's not like when we were looking at like looking at businesses that, that already had restaurants or some sort of food establishment in it because it's mm-hmm. just like so expensive. To yeah, try to get one off the ground without it some of the infrastructure being there yeah and did you want to do community style seating before you opened or is that just you know like mm-hmm. had to, yes and no i mean so the original idea when we were going to be in detroit was more of 
prepared foods, specialty grocer, mm-hmm. cheese, meat, beer, wine, that sort of thing. Um, and because, you know, Detroit didn't have a grocery store at that point. Yeah. Like, this was before the Whole Foods yeah. had opened up in Midtown. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it shifted a little bit once we decided <clears throat> to be in Ann Arbor and found this space that we did and realizing, well, there's a bunch of specialty markets and, you know, there's Zingerman's a few blocks away. Let's not do that. Let's now we have a kitchen that's already here so we can actually focus more on doing a restaurant and doing plated food as opposed to prepared foods to go foods, things like that. Um, but the space was small enough. Whereas if you, you know, if you kind of do the layout with two tops and four tops, probably be like 20 seats yeah maybe yeah. so um, we just needed the number i mean i think there's part of it that's like we really like the communal seating and we kind of envisioned that for a lot of spaces but it kind of like we tried to let the space kind of dictate what we should do for it which i think was good because having counter service and having some of the chefs and the people who prepare the food do the running and do the talking about the food i think now really dictates some of the culture that's there mm-hmm. it is a little bit more participatory it is a little bit more interactive for the guests at the tables and stuff you know you'll see people making new friends sitting next to each other asking about these dishes yeah. or sharing recommendations mm-hmm. things like that so i think I'm, I'm glad that it worked out that way yeah and um so like when you walk into Spencer, you really get a certain kind of feeling and you kind of, you can feel that kind of communal type culture. And is that something in terms of creating culture that you set out to do? Like, I want a restaurant like that to just organically come to be. I mean, is it through hiring the right people or is it just good people together and it just happened? I think we knew we didn't want a kitchen the way I've seen kitchens operate, which is very hierarchical and very um, like if you aren't able to cut it you're not like that but it's very like cutthroat right like i could sabotage you i could you know like Mm -hmm. those types of feelings so i really wanted to get away from that the other thing we really wanted to do was make sure that we felt like everyone was being compensated fairly um and this was something i came from like when i was working kitchens in san francisco as making probably like a third of what the the servers were making yeah and that always like bothered me because i thought everyone's working really hard here. It's not just one or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, so why we also do the counter service is not to make sure there's no servers per se. And that means everyone shares tips and everyone gets a lot more money because of it. Mm-hmm. And it feels like we're all in it to give the right level of service to everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's like definitely benefits to the no tipping system and there's also like disadvantages. Um, but we kind of settled on this kind of mid ground between those two uh, like, and I think it works really well and creates this kind of like, we're all a team. We all have to do this together. It doesn't work if I don't have, I don't have people who want to do it with me. And it doesn't work if there's someone who's not really pulling their weight. And like, it kind of just makes us all accountable in this really. And I think it translates to what. Yeah. Cause then that creates like a communal a customer. Yeah. Seeing a team that really works together and they all care about it. They all share the same approach is very different than a hostess who has no idea what's on the menu and a mm-hmm. server who has no idea how stuff is prepared. Yeah. Um, and so then hiring sort of took care of itself a little bit because there's only a certain type of person who really wants to work in this environment. Some yeah. people do really well in a competitive kitchen. Some servers do really well only working three nights a week and mm-hmm. making a ton of money and leaving the rest at home. Yeah. Um, and so 
that culture just sort of really built on itself. And I think it's, and we've been very lucky to do that because we would not be anywhere without all the people who wanted to work for us and who do really, you know, thrive in that sort of scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's, I think it's very hard to sort of set out and be like, we're going to be a community gathering space and everyone's going to get along. Yeah, yeah. You know, because you can't, you can't fake it. It has to, it has to kind of evolve. And it definitely didn't feel that way at first, you know. Like, it took people a long time to understand the type of food that we were making, the type of service we were giving, our approach that, you know, we were there and we really believed in it. I think it's, it's not something that you can achieve overnight. Yeah, I think you always have to have that like goal of what you want and how you want it to feel, and and then you'll start to make decisions that probably align with it. I mm-hmm. guess is how I always feel about it. Maybe, yeah. Awesome. And you know, your menu rotates all the time. Is that tough to be so creative <laughs> and coming up with stuff? Or it's like... actually really tough. It's yeah. not easy. Um, and. There's stuff that definitely comes back or feels like it's being worked through again in uh-huh. some different way. So it's not like, um, but yeah, I think it's kind of about if we get new things or if we're trying this out or um, if we've been inspired by places we've recently had a meal or something we've seen. I'm trying to think how we get there. It is it is very challenging. It's though. very challenging. I mean, because there's, I feel like, you know, you go through waves of, of creativity and, mm-hmm. and, and often those will be aligned with the seasons. So mm-hmm. this year, like speaking to us today is you're probably catching us at a, a challenging moment because yes. it's just starting to get warm out, but there's no Nothing. produce yet. Yeah. Yeah. And all the root crops are like pretty much gone. Like things like local farms have to offer are like right now it's like spinach. <laughs> maybe they have some garlic. Maybe they have a few cabbages left. It's just like, and you've been working with them now for what, like three or four months, the same things. Um, the other reason like we try to switch the menu is like, I want to keep it interesting for the people who do work in a kitchen where they don't become like robotic in it. Um, and I think I'm still figuring out the right balance between how often do we switch and when we don't switch. Am I not close enough? Okay. <laughs> so you're, like, you're not close enough. Um, yeah. Yeah, and was it, you know, just from a business end, even with my business, like, starting, it was scary, just all the rent I would have to pay when I signed the, you know, the lease for five years and another five years after that. Was it, I know the restaurant industry is a tough industry, margins-wise, and, you know, paying people, and especially, same with me, like, I want to pay my massage therapist well, because I want to make sure they're they're motivated and they're willing to take another massage, but that cuts into it. Was that scary, kind of taking the leap, going for a restaurant, you know, industry type job, restaurant business? Yeah, I remember when we signed the lease, I think we both just had a moment of just, like, what, we, it felt like you signed your life away. It was the scariest thing I've ever done. Yeah, I, I felt it was, too. It was so scary. Um, and I think you have those days as being an owner, and you probably feel similarly, where you are just afraid for whatever reason, because mm-hmm. it is just hard, or you need to buy a new water heater, or something breaks, yeah. or someone is careless with something or that service just didn't feel like it went right like there's so many days and it's it is the balance because you know when a service doesn't go right and you get to correct a mistake that is with a customer or a dish doesn't turn out and you get to go back and hit the drawing board and kind of redo it like those are the problems that you kind of expect that you're going to have yeah but the scariest part was the first year where things would come up that you would just have no idea about right something about paperwork or like yeah the water heater broke 
or you for, you know some permit happened or just just a yeah number you forget of, to like or like a like an HR thing where you just hire some employee and something comes up that you never dreamed you just about. never thought that would happen to you <laughs> um, yeah those are the sorts of things that I think made it a little bit scarier in the first six months because it was even a greater unknown yeah um, yeah I think we tried to like we tried to do a lot of work in the beginning like just our business plan was laid out our financials were laid out. You know, like, we really tried to put the, like, things on paper and, like, really lay out plans for ourselves. And then there'd just be all these, like, weird... Like, we yeah. knew some things of, would pop up. Just we just, like, didn't know window. what they were. Yeah. Like, yeah. we just were like, what? That, that all can happen? All random costs. Yeah. Or just, like, that... Really? <laughs> Your employee said that? Or, like, you're just like, oh. Yeah. We've got some stories that we shouldn't put on air, but yeah. we can tell you. <laughs> it's just... It's a... Yeah. It's a funny... It's funny. But it's it's... It's good. <laughs> yeah, once you make it through the first little bit, I feel like we, we now feel much better and, and we're used to planning for the unknown. Yeah. Maybe we just handle it a little better. Like, I think it still happens all the time. I think we're just a little bit better at being like, okay, we're not going to like have a panic attack. More seasoned about it. Yeah. Like, we're like, okay, we expect. Uh, yeah, I'm yeah. trying to avoid the metaphor of like, it's like having a kid. But, and also because I've never had a kid, so I don't really know if that's true. But given that a lot of our friends are new parents and, and we're watching them go through the similar thing, it is that. And if you ask parents who have two kids, what's the difference between the first and the second? Like, now that we're through a couple of years of this, it mm-hmm. almost feels like it is more of a second kid. Where it's like, ah, all right. I kind of know what's going on now. I'm less panicky about everything. I've seen most of this stuff before. You know, yeah. that sort of thing. I think it's, like, different, though, than having kids. Well, I hope than raising kids because <clears throat> I feel like you have this thing internally that wants you to do better or that wants you to, like, improve things about yeah. it. Like, right? Mm-hmm. Like, don't you, like, look around your business and you're like, oh, I could fix that. Oh, all the time. Or, yeah, like, oh, I should have marketed it this way. Or, like, oh, I really, like, should, like, tweak this thing. Or Yeah, that's And I think that, like, true. incessant, I mean, maybe you're that parent, but, like, it seems like that's, <laughs> you know, you can't control, like, what your child yeah, eventually does, true. but you can, like, do that to your business and, like, I think it's just like pushing to be better still. Like we're we've reached a place where we're like, okay, this is what it looked like, and Spencer has evolved because we've decided we want to be better. Mm-hmm. Like we just continue to want to be like, oh yeah, we do want to give better service, or we do want to like know more about wine, or we do want to make sure the dishes feel even more like cared mm-hmm. for and special. I think that's a hard. Because it just never, for me, that feeling never goes away. Mm-hmm. Which is good. I think that's why we get to do it the way that we do. Yeah. The service and the, and the changing menu and stuff. And it's not, I'm not discouraged if a dish comes out wrong. I'm discouraged if I don't care that yes. a dish came out wrong. That's a really good, mm-hmm. yeah. That's a good point. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Do either of you watch Chef's Table at all? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Do you watch Chef's Table? Oh, uh, yeah. That, so I mean, that, um, when I watched the Linea episode, oh yeah, it was just like because I was trying to do this, and what I really liked here was like I want to create these magical experiences. Yeah, and it, I watched that, and I, even all the shows and the presentation, I was just like, wow, I'm very complacent about it. And you know, we want to create a sensory experience here, but I mean, I love that show so much just because it explores creativity, and yeah, and I'm like, fuck, I thought all these things I was doing are cool, and like this guy, you know, what's he doing? You know, they so, do have a yeah. They have a lot of money behind them to create those experiences. Yeah, yeah, we, um, yeah, I definitely want to do. You know, it pushes you to say, okay, yeah. what, what, what am I doing? Yeah. And what am I, you know, where can I push the boundaries a lot more? And yeah, 
And sometimes it's almost about, like, for me now at this point, like, how do you not, like, set yourself, but, like, how do you, like, dig into, I think a lot of times people start cooking and they just start cooking. And, like, how do you feel your own sense of identity and what that looks like without getting stuck in it Mm -hmm. is really interesting. Because, like, I think for those people who are cooking at that level, their identity about what they want for their food is so strong and I think that's what you're seeing and that's why it like, carries through to every part of that experience and for me it's like now I've gotten to a place where I'm just starting to be like okay this is how our food looks like this is why I like it to look this way like there, it comes from a place of like a little bit more knowing and a feeling a little bit more comfortable I think in your own skin about mm-hmm. those things but it's been great because Anna has been super receptive as I've been still figuring that out. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Awesome. Well, that's that's all there is. But I really, really appreciate it. Um, oh, yeah. I'm super happy you, you guys came in. Yeah. It was really awesome. It's great. It's really cool. I know we had a few of our staff who've been here, too, who really like it. Yeah, our old we'll sous chef used to love doing flotation. Yeah. John Sperry Nickerson was obsessed. Yeah, which makes sense. We had a very wonderful sous chef for a while who was um, really into it, but he also just, you know, only used like candlelight and stuff to read. (laughs) He's just a curious one. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it.